Good morning, happy Sabbath. We've come to that time in our Sabbath morning experience where we are able to worship our God through study. And uh, I trust that all of you have been studying your Sabbath school lesson. We're talking about the teachings of Jesus this quarter. And as we begin, as my custom is in my home church of Fallbrook, California, whenever I teach, we always pause at the beginning and ask the presence of God to be with us, to invite His Holy Spirit to take control of everything that happens in this room. And I'd like to invite you to bow your heads with me right now. Holy Father in heaven, we come to you just now claiming the promise that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, you will be among us. And I pray right now that you would take control of my mind and my lips, my tongue. May the words that I speak be your words. And Lord, not only may the words that I speak be your words, but may each person that is here, that is watching on television as well, that your Holy Spirit would be with them, each one, that you, they may hear exactly what you have in mind for them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Nicodemus was a man who could have been an ASI member. He had become very successful in his business. He had attained the success where he was able to spend time studying the scriptures. He had become, if you will, a doctor of the Jewish law. He had also been so well thought of that he had been elevated to a position within the Jewish ruling council called the Sanhedrin. He dressed well. Whenever he walked someplace, people acknowledged his presence. Within his society, he had already reached the top rung of the ladder that he could expect to reach. But somehow, deep within his heart, there was still a dissatisfaction. There was something more. Have you ever felt like in your Christian walk that there's something more out there that you just can't quite put your hands on? That was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was in that moment, and as he was going through the process of going to the Sanhedrin meetings, as he would interact with the leaders of the nation, as he would have social gatherings with Pilate, the Roman proconsul, he would have this sense, there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing here. Whenever the young Galilean teacher came along and began to show his presence in the temple and along the walkways through Jerusalem. And as he observed that, he became quite concerned because he noted the way that the ruling scribes, his associates, actually looked upon this young Galilean. And of course, in his mind, because he was a great scholar and a, a uh, student of the scriptures, he was well aware of how his ancestors had treated the prophets that had come. He was a little uncomfortable with how that was working. And then he couldn't help but notice that in a world where everybody seemed to be corrupted on the take, in some way self-dealing, that here was a man uncorrupted strangely, mysteriously drawn to this man 
Nicodemus is seeking. He also took note of the fact that this man, though uneducated within their system, had extreme authority when it came to certain matters. He had been an observer of when Jesus cleansed the temple and turned over the, uh, the money changers' tables. Something inside said, I need to know this man, but yet the pride that was there refused to let him walk up to Jesus and begin to engage him in conversation. I can only imagine that perhaps he uh, went up to one of the disciples. Maybe he sent a delegation to one of the disciples and said, listen, I'd like to get a chance to talk with this man. Can you arrange for us to have a little uh, consult? And by the way, could it be in some out-of-the-way place and at night? And Jesus being gracious, and I don't know, we don't know, Scripture does not record which one of the disciples, if there was one of the disciples, or how that took place. But in John chapter 3, and if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn there with me. In John chapter 3, we find the story of Nicodemus. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2 of chapter 3. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. See, he had been paying attention. He had been watching. He had been alert to what was going on. Jesus, recognizing that soul hunger that was being expressed in this unique way, from this man, successful in all the ways of the world and even in the nation of, of Judah. Here he was cutting right to the, to the chase, if you will. Jesus cuts right to the chase in verse 3. Jesus answered and said, And most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, what Nicodemus was really after was recognizing that he needed to continue to grow. All that he had achieved had not satisfied. And you know, that is the title of our lesson today, is growing in Christ. There is never a time where we come to a place where we have achieved in this life. We must continually be on the growth track that the Holy Spirit has for each one of us individually. And Jesus was helping Nicodemus to come face to face with what he was really after. He says, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Now, it's interesting that the word born again um, is actually, uh, it, it had kind of a double, a double meaning, if you will. It was, uh, let me see if I can find it here where the Greek word is in our lesson. It's not jumping out at me, but it had two, it had two meanings. One was to be born from above. And obviously, if you're already born in this world, if you have been born of a woman, as the scriptures refer to that, and now you're being told that you must be born from above, the common way to understand that was to be born again. If you've already been born once, you've got to be born again. So Nicodemus, not used to being as timid as he was in the presence of this great teacher, immediately begins to respond, and he says in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Now, actually, that was kind of a, a foolish, defensive question on the part of Nicodemus because, see, he was a student of Scripture. He knew the Scriptures, and obviously, he knew that if he was talking about being born from above, he understood what that was all about because there had been many references to Scripture. We're going to come to that in just a moment. In the Scriptures, he knew what that was. And Jesus continues and says, Most assuredly... I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, do you think that Nicodemus was acquainted with being born of water? How would he have been acquainted with being born of water? John the Baptist, exactly. John the Baptist's ministry had, you know, even though they didn't have television in those days, and they didn't even have the Jerusalem Times that I know of, the word had gotten around and impacted the entire nation. That in fact, John the Baptist was out there in what looked like the form of one of the ancient prophets, and he was baptizing in, with water. But he also had said, one is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and I am not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. So Nicodemus was aware of all that. So when he says water, he knows what that is. But the Spirit... He senses that he may be right on the cusp of the most important thing in his life. Even though he's had all these classes and he's done all these things and he's accomplished all these, he's on the verge of what is really important for his spiritual growth. And I want to suggest that that very same thing applies to each one of us today. We could all be in Nicodemus's shoes as we think in terms of seeking that, that additional element that brings the satisfaction to our lives that all of our hearts yearn for. So he says, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. It's a double baptism. Nicodemus continues the dialogue with him. Well, actually, Jesus continues to talk and it's interesting that Nicodemus only says a few more words in this, con in this context. Jesus says in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. See, when he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he uses the incredible example of the wind. Anyone here ever been able to cause the wind to blow? Anyone? You know, I don't see a single hand. Isn't it interesting that Jesus took something that we all understand? How many of you have ever been in a windstorm where you felt the wind blow? I've actually been in a windstorm where, you know, your clothes are completely plastered to you and you lean into the wind, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Je Jesus uses the example of the wind to illustrate the great principle of the power of the spirit baptism. And he goes on to say, you do not, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now there's a couple of things I want to note when you look at the, um, at, at, the, at the baptism of the water baptism and the baptism of the spirit. How many of you had anything to do with being born the first time. Anybody? Every one of us were born without our permission, 
or uh, our knowledge at something that happened in this life. That was not something we had anything to do with. Just in the same way, being born again is something we can assent to, we can choose to happen, but we can no more control being born again and the process that it involves than we can be involved in our own natural birth. The one thing that is different is that we have the ability to choose and say, Lord, take me and wash me clean by the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, when I think about this whole idea of being born again, it really boils down to one very simple concept. When I am born of the Spirit or when you are born of the Spirit, we are being renewed on the inside of our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, moving just as the wind moves around us. As that power comes in, and I was in a discussion in, with one of my brothers as we were preparing for, as, as I was preparing for this lesson last week, we happened to be together at a wedding for my niece down in Texas. And my brother, who's a pastor in Arizona, we were talking about this, and he he was saying, you know, I'm convinced, you know, we always think in terms of our conscious decision-making power in our minds. But he said, we must be experiencing the washing and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit at our subconscious mind level. That's where the renewal must take place so that we have the ability to make the right decisions because that washing needs to take place. Now, that doesn't diminish the ability of having the conscious mind washed as well so that we can make choices as we walk through this life where sin is so prevalent. The Bible tells us that Nicodemus, um, actually, I think the last thing that we see him saying here, he says, how can these things be? Those are the last words that we hear. Jesus has the last word and the Record indicates that Nicodemus slipped silently into the night. But you know what? In some cases, conversions will take place instantaneously where someone gets knocked off their horse like Saul, who became Paul. There are those examples. There are also examples like Nicodemus who came, was confronted by the living God in the form of Jesus Christ, and over a little bit of time, as that soaked into his mind and soaked into his being, and the power of the Holy Spirit began working more and more with him, a little later on, we find him stepping forward with great courage. And it was Nicodemus, several years later, because this happened in John 3 at the beginning, near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, toward the end, we find Nicodemus actually coming to Pilate and saying, I want the body of this just man. And he, together with Joseph of Arimathea, you see the result. See, that's the way this works. The rebirth in the heart by the Holy Spirit. And when it talks about heart and mind, you see the results of it, even though you can't see the wind blowing. You see the results. And I want to suggest that every one of us can experience that growth that Nicodemus was seeking.
and obviously found. Because you see, having that new life in Christ, that new life in Christ that only comes by the Holy Spirit, you know, it's talked about in Titus chapter 3, it talks about the washing of regeneration. It talks about being justified by His grace. In, in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 5 and verse 17, it talks about being made a new creation. How many of you here today would be willing to trade in everything you've got to be a new creation in the, in the hands of God? Everything you've got to be a new creation. We all would. We recognize that no matter what status, no matter what milepost we have accomplished in this life, what God has in store for us is so much better. What did, what did the psalmist say? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to have all the successes that the world can offer. And that's what the new life is all about. That's what we're talking about, having that new creation. And here's what's beautiful. As the Holy Spirit does his work imperceptibly where you can't see it, the results begin in this way. I love what the lesson author said. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ implants in us new thoughts. Now, if you're going to be honest, could you use some new thoughts? Could you use some new thoughts? Every one of us needs new thoughts. That comes from the Holy Spirit. He awakens our conscience. Aren't you glad you've got a conscience to guide you? What is that conscience? He awakens, it says that the Holy Spirit awakens that conscience, and it's also described in Jeremiah that there's a voice you hear behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. In other words, I'm not smart enough, and frankly, neither are you, to be able to walk this path through life alone. Without the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us, in fact, I'm fascinated. This is a little departure, and I do that regularly in my own Sabbath school class. Um, do you know that in, the, in Ellen White's writings, and I should have that quote, but I don't because it just came to my mind, that on our journey up into the clouds to meet Christ in the air that we all have as a hope as Seventh-day Adventists, you know what she says? The first voice that you will hear is one that you will recognize. It'll be a voice that you have heard many times because it is the voice of your guardian angel that by the power of the Holy Spirit has been guiding your life. I am so grateful for that. I don't know about you. Can you say amen to that? I want to have the Holy Spirit guiding my life. And sometimes I wonder why at times we have such little power, such little strength, and we make such little progress in our lives. And I stop and think. Perhaps it's because I'm trying to do too much on my own and not letting the Holy Spirit actually work his will through me. But he promises to make a new creation, a new life in Jesus Christ. And then I come to the two elements that are most important for maintaining that growth in Christ. Keeping, you know, once you achieve a certain level, you don't want to go back down. You want to keep going up. You want to keep going up. How do you do that? How many of you ever heard of reading the Bible and praying? Any of you ever heard anybody say that? Okay, so I've been thinking about it. Okay, how can I point out these fundamental building blocks in the growing in Christ that has the power of the Holy Spirit? And I've been praying about that because I want to present these two things in a way 
that the Holy Spirit will bring home to your hearts. The scriptures. You know, there's something about this book I hold in my hand. Many of you are holding it in your hand as well. Some of you have it on your iPad or your iPhone or your Android phone. There's something about scripture. Part of the world I live in, we actually put ink on paper and ink on canvas. And as I look at this, this sheet of paper ran through a press at some place, and these words were all put on this paper. But I want to tell you that this is so much more than ink on paper. This word is the living word of the Almighty God. And it will transform, it will guide, it will direct. And if this can, if there's two dangers, two dangers with this. One is, is that it stays on the shelf and we don't look at it. We know it's there, we refer to it with great uh, joy. We may even have one laying out on a table in our, in our home that you can go to the front and you'll see the record of marriages and births and the family history. We're based on scripture. One of them, one danger, roadblock, is that we leave it sitting on a shelf somewhere and don't actually bring it in, eat the word, if you will. And that's talking about bringing it into our lives and letting it transform us. I can tell you from my own experience that opening this word, this Bible lays on my nightstand at home. When I wake up, reach over and pick it up, I actually happen to be a person that loves to mark my Bible. Anybody, any Bible markers out here? Okay. This is the fourth or fifth Bible that I've marked completely. Okay. And so anytime it's, if, if, you know, I'll, in fact, I'll hold it up so the camera can see. I've got uh, red, I have a red pencil and a ruler. So it's, so it's neat. I like it that way. Everybody has their own way of doing this. But I actually can pick this Bible up and I can open it to any page. And I can spend 10 to 15 minutes just reading what I've already marked. And sometimes I say, wow, that's so new. Did I mark that? Have you ever had that experience? Did I mark that? But yet it's fresh and new every morning for what I need for that day. Then at night, I'm one of these people that likes to read at night until I can't keep my eyes open anymore. And I'll read it again. Or I'll read Great Controversy or one of the Ellen White books, which I love to read her books as well. There's something about the mighty power of the Holy Spirit that comes through these pages. It's as if it comes, the print comes right off and into my life. And I want to suggest that if you want to deepen your spiritual experience, if you want to be on that upward growth curve, spend more time in this word. That's called, it's, it's listed under our lesson today under the broad umbrella of abiding if you're going to abide in Christ, you've got to be listening to his voice because, you know, for whatever reason, he has chosen. And I am grateful for however he chooses to communicate to us through the pages of this word. The other side of the equation is prayer. Well, before I go to that side, let me, I, I mentioned one, the danger is that you put this on the shelf. The other danger is is that you put some kind of human element into how you understand the scripture. 
the interpretation of Scripture can be such that can totally destroy what God has. Did, did you know that some of the greatest biblical scholars that teach at some of our great universities, I'm not talking about Adventist universities, I'm talking about outside worldly universities that are not affiliated with our church. Some of those individuals are great scholars of the Bible as literature, but they are avowed atheists. They're looking at this just from a historical critical method to understand it as literature. That's not what we're talking about. Those two dangers. Let the Bible speak to you as it reads and let the Holy Spirit impress your heart as you are reading and let it transform and, and wash with the washing of regeneration your heart and mind. So that's God speaking to you through the scriptures. But we have the privilege of speaking back to God through prayer. How many of you have ever had a prayer answered? Okay? Whenever you have a prayer answered, now sometimes I have to say it, the answer may not be quite the answer you wanted. I've experienced that. Lord sometimes says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says not yet. Doesn't he? But yet he's awesome. He is overall. I trust him. But prayer, to spend time talking with him as well as listening to him. Now, here's an interesting thing. How many of you would say you're a good listener? Anybody? Well, I don't see very many hands. Listeners, okay. How many of you are good talkers? Okay, more hands, more hands. Now, here's the thing. Whenever you're in a conversation with someone and they're not a good listener, how well does that conversation go? Kind of, okay, we'll get this over with. But you know what happens is in a, in a relationship, in a good conversation, you have one person sharing, another person responding, and then some sharing, and then some responding, and there's a good communication that goes on. So if we only pray and never study or read our Bibles and let God speak back to us, then what are we guilty of? We're just, talk, we're, just, we're just talking and wanting him to listen. Now, does he want to listen? Yes, he will. But if there's going to be a good, healthy relationship between you and God, me and God, it has got to involve me talking with him and him talking back to me. Now, let me give you an example from Scripture of how that conversation works. David, he had a moral fall that put him flat on his face, and you all know exactly what I'm talking about. He, though a friend of God, was now at complete variance with God. And in Psalm chapter 51, the heart cry of a broken man begins this way, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The heart cry of David. Now, I don't know about you, but I have prayed that prayer. Have you prayed that prayer? If you haven't, you need to. As David prayed that prayer, what does it say in Ezekiel chapter 36? What is God's answer to that prayer? Okay, he says, I'm, I'm, in, in the sake of time, I'm just going, to, uh, just going to summarize that. He says, I'm going to put a new heart in you. 
And I'm going to take that old stony one away, and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and you're going to be mine. That's an example of the heart cry in prayer talking to God and God answering back through his scriptures. And if you're going to grow, that's the kind of experience that's going to happen. Now, I want to just say a word of caution. There's all kinds of things in prayer. People have, there's all kinds of exotic things that people do around the idea of prayer. Don't be drawn off sides by the devil by some crazy thing relating to prayer. Prayer is simply the opening of the heart to God as to a friend, speaking with him. Now, in the few moments that we have left, I just, I just want to talk about the whole idea of dying to self. How many of you ever witnessed a baptism besides your own? Okay. What happens? A person comes. Many times they will have a baptismal robe on, black, white. Sometimes it'll be at a beach and people will just have some uh, clothes they don't mind getting wet. But you've seen a baptism. And a person comes with a radiant glow on their face. You know what I'm talking about. The pastor lifts his hands, or his hand, and says, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He takes the person, dips them under the water, and brings them back up. What kind of joy is there as that person comes back out of the water? In our church, all of our kids come up. There'll be 40, 50 kids that are standing right beside the baptistry to witness and to and to experience this new birth, this water baptism, which is symbolic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But what that is symbolic of, it is the death of the old person of sin, the burial of the old person of sin, and the resurrection into newness of life. And you know what? That symbolically is saying you must be crucified every day. Would you give the existence you've got right now for the transformation. I asked that question a little while ago. You would. But you know what? The scriptures say, Jesus said, his words were, I must die daily. To let the old person of sin be crucified and be resurrected into newness of life every day. That's why we have the foot washing. That's why we have worship services. That's why every morning I say, Lord, I'm yours today. Give me something that will be in your will and that I can honor you with today. And you know what that is? There, there's a couple things, and I'm going to run out of time. And I, I, I just want to, to comment this way. Why should you worry about growing? Why should you be concerned about growing in Christ? Because it is the person who is growing in Christ that can be a channel for the Holy Spirit to reach out and touch other people in the name of Jesus Christ. So we should have great motivation to be growing spiritually in Christ. Because as we do, we can be a greater and greater channel. And I want to read this quotation out of Heavenly Places, page 22. Those who are in connection with God are channels for the power of the Holy Spirit. So if your connection with God is strong daily, hourly, moment by moment... You are going to have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit work through you. And, of course, what ASI is all about is sharing Jesus Christ in the marketplace. If you want to have power, 
from on high for sharing Jesus Christ in the marketplace, make sure that your heart is regenerated, that the Holy Spirit is in you, that you are experiencing his love so that you have something to share. And here's the last thing I want to say. Desire of Ages, page 173. The blessing comes when by faith the soul surrenders itself to God and God creates a brand new being. Let's pray. Well, actually, I'm not going to pray because there's going to be somebody praying right behind me. But I pray that you will pray, you'll be blessed of God as you continue on your journey. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Dan, for that uh, wonderful lesson. Wasn't that exciting to be able to see how we can grow in Christ? Have you been born again, born in you? That's what it's all about, isn't it? Let's pray together. Let's stand and pray together, actually. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus into this world. And we thank you for that encounter he had with a scholar Nicodemus there that night long ago. And for the words that he said. And we too want to experience that new birth each and every day of our lives. And we want to grow in you so that we too can be that witness of your power in these last days. So we do pray that you will baptize us anew each and every day for the rest of our lives until you come again. And we thank you, Lord, for that privilege of knowing you and being connected with you and growing in you. Thank you, Jesus, for that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.